Chapter Fifty Six of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolf Hungerford. Chapter Fifty Six. I would that I were low laid in my grave. She is still sitting silent, lost in thought, after Felix's departure, when the door opens once again to admit her husband. His hands are full of papers. Are you at liberty? says he. Have you a moment? These, pointing to the papers, want signing. Can you give your attention to them now? What are they? asked she, rising. Mere law papers. You need not look so terrified. His tone is bitter. There are certain matters that must be arranged before my departure, matters that concern your welfare and the boys. Here, laying the papers upon the Davenport and spreading them out, you sign your name here. But, recoiling, what is it? What does it all mean? It is not your death warrant, I assure you, says he with a sneer. Come sign. Seeing her still hesitate, he turns upon her savagely. Who shall say what hidden storms of grief and regret lie within that burst of anger? Do you want your son to live and die a poor man, says he? Come, there is yourself to be considered, too. Once I am out of your way, you will be able to begin life again with a light heart, and this, tapping the paper heavily, will enable you to do it. I make over to you and the boy everything, at least as nearly everything as will enable me to live. It should be the other way, says she. Take everything and leave us enough on which to live. Why? says he, facing round, something in her voice that resembles remorse striking him. We shall have each other, says she faintly. Having happily got rid of such useless lumber as the father and husband, well, you will be the happier so, rejoins he with a laugh that hurts him more than it hurts her, though she cannot know that. Two is company, you know, according to the good old proverb, three trumpery. You and he will get on very well without me, no doubt. It is your arrangement, says she. If that thought is a salve to your conscience, pray think so, rejoins he. It isn't worth an argument. We are only wasting time. He hands her the pen. She takes it mechanically, but makes no use of it. You will at least tell me where you are going, says she. Certainly I should, if only I knew myself. To America first, but that is a big direction, and I am afraid the tenderest love letter would not reach me through it. When your friends ask you, say I have gone to the North Pole. It is as likely a destination as another. But not to know says she, lifting her dark eyes to his, dark eyes that seemed to glow like fire in her white face. That would be terrible. It is unfair. You should think, think. 
her voice grows husky and uncertain she stops abruptly don't be uneasy about that says he i shall take care that my death when it occurs is made known to you as soon as possible your mind shall be relieved on that score with as little delay as i can manage the welcome news shall be conveyed to you by a swift messenger she flings the pen upon the writing-table and turns away insult me to the last if you will says she but consider your son he loves you he will desire news of you from time to time it is impossible that you can put him out of your life as you have put me it appears you can be unjust to the last says he flinging her own accusation back at her have i put you out of my life ah was i ever in it says she but you will write no not a line once for all i break with you should my death occur you will hear of it and i have arranged so that now and after that event you and the boy will have your positions clearly defined that is all you can possibly require of me even if you marry again your jointure will be secured to you baltimore exclaimed she turning upon him passionately she seems to struggle with herself for words has marriage proved so sweet a thing cries she presently that i should care to try it again there go i shall sign none of these things she makes a disdainful gesture towards the loose papers lying on the table and moves angrily away you have your son to consider your son will inherit the title and property without these papers there are complications however that perhaps you do not understand let them lie there i shall sign nothing in that case you will probably find yourself immersed in troubles of the meaner kinds after my departure the child cannot inherit until after my death and i do not care says she sullenly go if you will i refuse to benefit by it what a stubborn woman you are cries he in great wrath you have for years declined to acknowledge me as your husband you have by your manner almost commanded my absence from your side yet now when i bring you the joyful news that in a short time you'll actually be rid of me you throw a thousand difficulties in my path is it that you desire to keep me near you for the purposes of torture it is too late for that you have gone a trifle too far the hope you have so clearly expressed in many ways that time would take me out of your path is at last about to be fulfilled i have had no such hope no you can look me in the face and say that saintly lips never lie however do they well i am sick of this life you are not i have borne a good deal from you as i told you before i bear no more i give in fate has been too strong for me you have created your own fate you are my fate you are inexorable there is no reason why i should stay here the sound of running childish pattering footsteps can be heard outside the door 
and a merry little shout of laughter the door is suddenly burst open in rather unconventional style and bertie rushes into the room a fox terrier at his heels the dog is evidently quite as much up to the game as the boy and both race tempestuously up the room and precipitate themselves against lady baltimore's skirts round and round her the chase continues until the boy bursting away from his mother dashes toward his father the terrier after him there isn't so much scope for talent in a pair of trousers as in a mass of dainty petticoats and presently bertie grows tired flings himself down upon the ground and lets the dog tumble over him there the joust is virtually at an end lady baltimore who has stood immovable during the attack upon her always with that cold white beautiful look upon her face now points to the stricken child lying panting laughing and playing with the dog at his father's feet there is a reason says she almost inaudibly baltimore shakes his head i have thought all that out it is not enough says he bertie says his mother turning to the child do you know this that your father is going to leave you going says the boy vaguely forgetting the dog for a moment and glancing upward where away forever where says the boy again he rises to his feet now and looks anxiously at his father then smiles and flings himself into his arms oh no says he in a little soft happy sure sort of way forever forever repeats isabel in a curious monotone take me up says the child tugging at his father's arms what does mamma mean where are you going to america to shoot bears returns baltimore with an embarrassed laugh how near to tears it is real live bears yes take me with you says the child excitedly and leave mamma or she'll come too says bertie confidently she'll come where i go where he would go the child but would she go where the father went baltimore's brow darkens i am afraid it is out of the question he says putting bertie back again upon the carpet where the fox terrier is barking furiously and jumping up and down in a frenzied fashion as if desirous of devouring the child's legs the bears might eat you when you are big and strong you will come back for me cries bertie eagerly perhaps he will not breaks in lady baltimore violently he will come back no more when he goes you will never see him again he has said so he is going forever these last two terrible words seem to have sunk into her soul she cannot cease from repeating them let the boy alone says baltimore angrily the child is looking from one parent to the other he seems puzzled expectant but scarcely unhappy childhood can grasp a great deal but not all the more unhappy the childhood the more it can understand of the sudden and larger waves of life but children delicately brought up and clothed in love from their cradle find it hard to realize that an end to their happiness can ever come tell me papa 
says he at last in a vague, sweet little way. What is there to tell, replies the father, with a most meager laugh, except that I saw Beecher bringing in some fresh oranges half an hour ago. Perhaps he hasn't eaten them all yet. If you were to go ask for one, I'll find him, cries Bertie, brightly, forgetting everything but the present moment. Come, Trixie, come, to his dog. You shall have some, too. You see there won't be much trouble with him, says Baltimore, when the boy has run out of the room in pursuit of oranges. It will take him a day, perhaps, and after that he will be quite your own. If you won't sign these papers today, you will perhaps tomorrow. I had better go and tell Hansard that you would like to have a little time to look them over. He walks quickly down the room, opens the door, and closes it after him. End of chapter 56 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.